Hello, everyone, and welcome to the weekly manga recap. It is May 11 of 2022, and we're here to talk about the things that came out in this past couple of weeks. I don't know why I'm talking this way, but I've started and I can't stop. Woo! Reading manga! <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Nick's gone insane. <laughs> it was bound to happen eventually. You know what? We got a good run out of it, but now he's eating his own poop, and well, <laughs> that's just not going to fly. What if, too. what if I what if I ate my own poop, but I but I act the same way that I do about everything else that I consume for the sake of this podcast? Oh, or, yeah, where I'm, where I was like, ah, uh, you know, it was like it's okay. Like I I've got like look, you know, for poop, it was like it's fine, but you know, <laughs> look, we've been over this before. Poop's not really like for me, and for those people who really like poop, then I'm not saying anything against that. You can like it if you want to, but it's just not for me. Uh, so, but I guess this, I guess this particular stool is fine. So, yeah. <laughs> Every time we try to have like a, it's like a normal conversation for the most part, and then you're like, gotta hurry up. Nicole made a hot stew of poop for me. I had to get going. It catches you off guard. Like it's been a couple months. I forgot you still like poop. All the still time. doing that? <laughs> no, it's just not something you stop doing. We get, you stop we get a Q and A question. It's just like if you. Can to have any food from a manga universe what would you take i'd be like well i think i'd try the regal mammoth and you're like uh the farty takamura's <laughs> poops because they're really big <laughs> <laughs> the regal mammoth's poops i'll bet that they're really big oh, this is gonna be del- <laughs> all right so this now that we've the most uh, immature we've ever been um, anyway uh, uh, so that means uh, okay. Oh, there goes the ad revenue from YouTube. Thanks, guys. Okay, so <laughs> uh, real quick, I just want to give a special thanks to uh, Carino Prime, who, when he's not uh, making us digest bad yaoi uh, manga, uh, yeah. also works as I shouldn't say works like it's a job. Although based off how much he does it, maybe it is. Uh, he makes models like Gundam model stuff, and uh, he made one and sent it to me. It is of. Machine Dramon, the Aww, best Digimon. Hell and yeah! You can even you can even like wave his arm a little bit, <laughs> and you can open his mouth. Is is the best. I love but it. If, but if you poke it too hard, then he falls apart in the way that War Greymon yeah, sliced him up super say, easily. Like, you, you just rip the torso off from the legs, and it's it's real bad. Uh, I now know why Machine Dramon. Uh, hunches like every shot you see of him is him like knees mm-hmm. bent at an eighty degree ang- like a uh, ninety degree angle or, or you know, I guess even letter. Um, it's because Machine Jermon is not <laughs> built to support himself, so you have to do that pose with the leg, or else he just fucking falls over. I mean, I kind of assumed that because a he is a T Rex, and b he's got those giant cannons on his shoulders, so he better have the legs like directly underneath them to support them. Yeah. So. It's good yeah. stuff. But thank you, uh, Credo. It was it was greatly appreciated. Let's uh let's just run back uh Digimon uh adventure, the uh the 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 four emperors arc, but uh instead of having it go down where it's like, all right, Metal Siegemon gets, you know, like a, a, an okay long one. Three uh, episodes, pi- I think, yeah. Yeah, Piedmon gets a, a bit at the end. Machinedramon is in and out in like one episode, and then Puppetmon is there for like small 15 arc. episodes. <laughs> a like, small season. 
Instead, we have an arc where Machine Germain is the is the is the thing trying to manipulate Matt into breaking off with the group, but he's still a giant metal T Rex with cannons on his back. Come on, I'll be your friend. Your friends don't respect you. You should you should turn against them. You're like you've got guns on your back. Yeah, will you be my friend? They're walking to the forest. Like, where will we find where Machine Germain's hiding? Oh, there he is. I like this new proposal for uh, how we rebrand Digimon Adventure 1, and I think we should do it. <laughs> yeah, no one else is going to redo a D- Digimon Adventure, right? And you know what? Yeah. No, no one else could. And we could, you, we could fix other things, too. Like We could take out that weird cat fight between Lady Devimon and Angela Mon, uh, and we could replace it with a sexy boy fight of, like, where Garurumon and... Centaromon or whatever his name was. <laughs> I don't know. D- didn't Angemon and Devimon have a sexy boy fight? Is that Did what happened? They? I I only I I just remember the the Lady Devimon fight specifically in the dub having a line like, "Oh, you pulled my hair," something like they, that. They like, were they were like, very much aware of what it looked I was like, like, and they went, right, and we're, yeah, we're playing yeah. into this one a little bit too much." Uh, sure, you do Angemon and and Devimon, and it's like. Oh, you've knocked me into this vat of baby oil. <laughs> Rub it all over myself to get rid of it. Oh, no, I guess we're just going to have to wrestle in this. <laughs> I have to take off my pants. They're all wet now. God. All right. So we do have a lot of manga to talk about. Let's because that, then. Let's talk about manga. There was an off an off week for Shonen Jump last week, but we did have a special chapter or two come out that we've got to talk about. But uh, before we get to those, uh, Quinn, um, we don't have My Hero Academia this week, so nope. we're starting off with you. So yes. <laughs> we will kick right off with Undead Unluck, number 109, R.I.P. I don't know why this hit me so much. I was like, his name is Rip and it's R.I.P. Uh, it is... Uh, to, uh, a number of things up front. First off, uh, I love that the the we like reverse engineered the Deus Ex joke meme out of this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no, 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 Rip really was R.I.P. the whole time. On a more serious note, this image of the more innocent Rip trying to hold back the murderous monster he has become is very, very, very distressing and effective. So I like it. Uh, and it also has a little. A line underneath where it's like resiquat in peace or resicat in pe in pace. It's uh Italian rest in peace, basically. Ah, ah the baba de boopity. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. basically. I don't know why every so often when I send someone a message now, I just I send it to them like with a line ahead of time that says imitating a bad Italian accent and I'll just say the regular line and then I'll put a bunch of sefs. <laughs> that's how i so i get through boring text messages now to people (laughs) bad italian accent i'm gonna be there at a seven (laughs) seven chef's kiss emojis you do it all in like proper english too it's a bad italian accent i will meet you at the premium it's all it's all butchered it's all like i'm gonna be there at a seven it uh, brings me a lot of joy in times when that's hard to come by. Uh, all right. So we open up back in Rip's flashback as he's like, why? Why? I didn't make any mistakes. Why did those stitches cause her to bleed out? Why didn't she heal? And Rip starts to, like, move the knife towards his own face. When Lotla shows up, it says, don't. And slaps it out of his hand. But in doing that, 
she slashes up his eye basically and that's where he he gets his his signature scar and mm-hmm. you know a lot of those like my fortune telling reading stopped being accurate you know like that the same probably went from my reading on the surgery too and rip's like it doesn't matter why would it she's gone now the cut of my eye is shallow but the bleeding won't stop so please just leave me alone and like the blood is just pouring and mm-hmm. then Lala says something interesting which is like i've heard about this before from a patron a negation ability a power that ignores the rules of this world and negates them instead so i guess there is a portion of, i guess there was a sale of negators right i don't that recall shakara that's where we met him um i don't recall that okay. I, I i honestly don't but i mean it makes sense that you know with all their connections from being you know connected to a wealthy family and having all of the you know celebrity involvement that sure lotla could have heard about uh, this kind of thing from someone yeah so. uh so we cut back then to the fight between andy and rip uh rip is basically just like i've you know i've hit your lungs that means your breathing's going to be reduced you're going to be in a real off spot and andy's just like what the fuck? This is not the time for a falling out. There are way too many other things going on here right now. Uh, and we go back to the flashback where Rip's like, we live in a world with these sort of powers. There has to be something that we can do to bring back the dead. And Lala's like, there is. There's an artifact that will allow you to jump to a new world and redo everything if you use it. Arc. Basically just explain how Rip started to learn about these things to begin with. We get back to the present where Rip's just like, I'm not going to die. I'll use your points, initiate the loop. And he's like, ah, I see they've reached your brain. You know, you become too acquainted with my unrepair powers thanks to our previous battles. So you won't be able to break the rules any longer by just like not understanding them, which is the way Andy kind of got around them before. Now he knows enough about the rules that he he can't really just like be like, is it really healing myself to <laughs> cut off my own head? Question mark. <laughs> uh, and Rip feels confident. He's like, all I need to do now is to land one blow on your brain. So we have no choice but to fight. And Andy, you know, manages to kind of get out of it. He's like, all right, if it's going to be this, it's all or nothing. He does a big attack. And he's just like, look, sorry, bud, but I got something I can't give up either. And he, his, his text box has gotten all crazy. And Rip's like, wait. Did he just fuck with the wound on his own brain? Did he just yeah. fuck that up? And he basically, like, fucked with his brain so much, he's so unintelligent now, he doesn't understand what he's doing, which is kind of an awesome way to do that. You know too much about how my abilities work. Well, I won't if I become dumber. <laughs> Checkmate. Uh, so he does Check all that. horsey thinker. <laughs> Uh, Rip's like, shit, that was my advantage. It's gone. How am I going to land a fatal blow? What should I do? And then we cut back into a flashback. But this flashback was like 10 minutes ago, basically, of Rip being like, hey, I see undead. I'm going to fight him and take his points. And Lotla being like, why? Wait, why are you doing that? No, wait, hold on. And I'm just kind of hanging up. And he's like, this is it. My last chance. I'm going to finish this. Uh, and Andy does a big dead road attack and it's like uh oh rip sees his life flashing before his eyes he sees the potential future disappearing before him but who should show up but latla who redirects the blood using the negator ability which we still don't know the exact 
Um, no, we, thing we, four. we don't know how it works yet. Also, what's well, with the bike? But <laughs> well, she's, she's had this weird bike artifact before. She's she's had okay. that before. Uh, maybe, maybe the bike's what's doing it. I don't know. It <laughs> is her. I, I believe it is her. her. She's had the ability to redirect attacks by predicting they'll hit because whatever reason, she's always wrong now. Her fortune telling is part of her negating. So, um, she just basically gets ripped to get on. They fly outside to have a real quick powwow. And she slaps him in the face and says, you're always like this. You always make decisions on your own. You always take things upon yourself. You always try to keep me from being involved. And when you cut off your legs because you said it'd make you stronger, when we joined under, when we fought back, when we fought against Autumn, you always try to leave me behind. If it's okay for you to risk your life for the person you love, then let me do the same for you. Let me put my life on the line for you at the very least. And he gives her a big hug. Very sweet sentimental moment. Also, potentially her just announcing her feelings for him in a pretty public way. I do I do appreciate that it's one of those things that's like, okay, that seems like a confession, but it's also not just an out-and-out one. Yeah. And also, it's done in a very poetic manner, I think. Yeah. So, uh, so we cut back, and, or we, we, we rather we see uh, Lotla's eyes kind of narrow, and she's like, look, I have an idea I don't think this is going to work on him twice, so we got to do it. And she, you know, they fly back in. Rip's getting ready for an attack. Lotla gets behind Andy and grips herself against his head. And she says, you won't hit him. I guarantee it 100%. Do it now. And Rip is very sad because he knows what's about to happen. But he steals himself. He shoots out his blade. And it goes straight through Andy's brain and out through Lotla's back. And special special beam cannon style yeah. uh, for Dragon Ball Z. So Exactly. And <laughs> as she goes down, she says, just you wait, Layla. Your dashing prince is coming to save you. Well. <laughs> I mean, if we're definitely setting up to go in an arc, like the, the next thing that's probably going to happen in the series is going to be the time loop. So it does make sense. Kind of everyone is a little disposable at this point in time, more or less. Uh, but it is definitely still like a very... I mean, hell, Fuko's been dead for a few months. <laughs> yeah, so. it is definitely like... But it is very visceral when you're just like, oh my god, Lotla, no! Especially when we still don't know her actual negating abilities name, but I, I'm sure we'll discover it at, at some point. Or maybe they'll come out with a light novel that can enlighten us. Yeah, it'll be, co- it'll be called Un untelling yeah there you go because we're re- unrevealed yeah we're we're all oh, unrevealed is a good one we're we're negating revealing things to you by revealing them i guess yeah that's how it goes machine Jamon gives this chapter uh three claws here and three over here so a six out of i guess ten unfortunately but this is as high as his hands will go oh okay well it's uh, a shame yeah. yeah, but he makes the rules, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I always said that Machine Dramon was a notoriously harsh judge, so... He has strong opinions, and I think yeah, that's what yeah. I appreciate about him the most. No giant mechanical T-Rexes. <laughs> <laughs> Only one. Me. Uh, yeah, I, this is a very exciting chapter. I love the... Uh, pacing of it uh and how it go and how it's like yeah okay lotless dead now <laughs> so 
uh, I guess we'll see where this goes. This definitely feels like one of those things where I think we've we've kind of gone over the point of like, OK, a lot of the people who are dying are not going to stay dead. Like there's no there's no way like we could just continue from this point with all these dead characters. It's stretching the uh, ability to just kind of sustain suspend disbelief, I yeah, guess. But it is it's still interesting. And I, I think to a certain extent as well, it just has me very curious of like, OK, how does Andy get out of this at this point like because that does seem to be kind of like we know he can't die because right. he's undead it's it's just impossible but it's like how does he get out of this situation essentially yeah. his um, brain's been stabbed with an unhealable wound like yeah. so <laughs> what you do now but i i definitely enjoy it quite a lot uh i like rip more and more with every kind of chapter we get about him like there was a part of me it's like ah oh, you know what i i, I think i'd even be kind of excited to see Rip go on that time loop and just <laughs> make him like kind of the new protagonist or whatever. It seems like that could be kind of fun. I know I'm probably in a minority about that, but I find Rip very cool. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and we'll see what kind of short and long-term consequences this whole thing has. Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces right now because, you know, Rip did just kind of, intrude on a, a, an intense other fight that was happening that's now just not resolved and are we going to even see it resolved with everything else that's going on yeah but we'll have to wait and find out all right let's move over to kaiju number eight chapter 61 we get a flashback for iharu and we uh, get to know him a little bit better besides the fact that he just has shark teeth and a cool hairdo uh and uh, as it turns out yeah, Yaru was a prodigy, basically, uh, as he was coming up through the ranks uh, in, in college uh, and preparing to join the Kaiju Exterminator ranks. Uh, it was like, OK, you know, he, he, he would absorb everything that he studied very easily. He would become physically stronger every time he trained. And Yaru says, my potential seemed limitless and I was pumped to see how strong I could get. Mina Ashiro, Gen Narumi, Isao Shinomiya, I believed I would be of their caliber. There wasn't a doubt in my mind. And then we cut into the present and we see that he is struggling to take down some hoju. Like he starts firing on one. He's like, why can't I take these things down in just one shot? And he fires at one. And it just like completely shakes off his bullets and knocks him away. Um... Some of the, of the uh, people who are observing, including uh, their their division captain, says, I guess we'll just we'll have to keep tabs on him, too. Uh, and they warn him, saying, hey, 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 don't overdo it. Sometimes you got to fall back. Uh, and he was just like, feeling sorry for himself. And he says, my luck started to run out after I enlisted. My marks have come to a complete standstill. Every day I'd be in the presence of true talent. Every day I'd be confronted with the fact that I wasn't one of them. And we see that in his mind as he's training, he's thinking about not just Kikoru, but the other people from their division that uh, so that haven't gotten nearly as much focus yet. So that's a little bit of a promise, I think. Like, hey, maybe these people will be important later. later. We'll, we'll see. Um, but Yara says that, you know, he'd struggle and he'd struggle and he'd struggle but these aces, he couldn't close the gap with them. The gap merely widened. And then the real monster appeared. And we see this is all signified as him 
sprinting and he's training and he's trying to chase down these three figures, but they're getting distance away from him. And then on your left, here comes Ren and he overtakes Iharu. And it's, uh, yeah, I dig it. I don't know if this is a scene that literally happened, but if it's just a, a metaphor, it's like, all right, yeah, I'll take that. Like, you know, you set your sights on the people who are getting distance away from you and then someone overtakes you. How demoralizing is that? That's good. Uh, and Reno uh, engages the Hanju, big old ice bullets, uh, and he engages a full release of the numbered weapon, unleashing 43% combat power. Uh, and um, he drops down next to it and puts its, his hand on its leg and ice shoots up its leg. He then dashes up its body as uh, the ice goes up it up its arm uh and reno analyzes it quickly and realizes okay it's 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 a lot faster at regenerating it's got stronger skin and i can't reach the core in its state so i need to be stronger i need to draw out more power and uh the crew that is observing this uh is like oh what the hell his combat power is unleashing even higher is he growing over the course of the battle but the captain realizes that that's not what's happening this is uh, a bad thing. This is bad. <laughs> Reno gets away and snipes the uh, Yoju and uh, hits it with a giant sniper bullet that um makes a giant. I don't even know how to describe the pattern. Uh, basically, it's like there's a bullet hole, but the bullet hole is also instantly frozen over. Mm-hmm. So it's it, good. It is a very cool visual. Uh, but it's still not enough to take this huge monster down. And so Reno's like, I need more output. I need to push even further. And his combat power goes up to 51%, even higher now. And, uh, some of the observers say, Hey, officer Ichikawa, can you, can you hold up? Are you okay? But Reno just says, I'm just fine. In fact, my head has never been clearer. And his captain says, this is oh, bad. Okay. Sounds good then. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like he's got it under control. All right. He he sounds uh, very clear and murderous. I'm sure he's fine. (laughs) I'm going to pack up the chairs now. I'm going to meet you guys back at the van. All right. (laughs) And uh, Iharu is worried about his boyfriend now. I hope that's kind of what the role for Iharu in this is. Although I like Iharu a lot. I I think having him be in sort of a very important, you know, dramatic uh, support role, essentially being like, hey, this guy needs you like specifically he needs someone to like bring him back to earth or something like that and we don't have kafka here mm-hmm. or kikoru someone that like that like all right yaru <laughs> the only named character at this point he has any relationship yeah. with but at the same time like they're come on they're boyfriends like we know yeah. like they're not but come on we know there are they, they are but you're never going to see any of their private life in this which is good so um yeah uh I, it's an interesting like i said i think with the last time we talked about you know this sequence of events it's interesting to see things from the perspective of you know this character with this relationship to one of the strong characters i guess so yeah. all right all right nick let's talk about eden zero chapter 190 zero. the greatest show from hell which is a very metal title for a chapter that is not metal whatsoever. 
Like the greatest show from hell should involve like demon clown monsters with like chains hailing like hanging from the ceiling and like blood fountains. It's not it's, it's pretty basic regular show, I guess. Well, we have one of those things. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh, so last time Rebecca was surrounded by a ring of fire and uh, guess what? She could just jump up and that was it. <laughs> like what? Oh, it, it was kind oh. of a lot of drama last time. Just be like. No, nope, she just jumps. She's really good. So the clown shoots a bunch of fire rings at her, and she just jumps through them like it's this is a video game, and you have to practice the controls or something like that. Um, yeah. And then she kicks him in the face, and he's uh, clown's just like, ah, you take pride in your speed, and electrifies the floor, which I guess he could do. And Rebecca gets electrocuted a whole bunch, and she's like, ouch, and jumps to uh, the curtains. Uh, by the way, the electricity has ripped her clothes. That thing yeah. that electricity is famously able to do is yeah. uh, slice things. It's very strange. Also, I like how Clown goes from all these different things like, OK, fight me on a tightrope. All right. Well, rings of fire. You got to jump through the rings of fire. And I just like ah, the floor is electrocuted. This has <laughs> nothing to do with the circus, but OK. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, clown is like, okay, cool. Here's a new thing. I'm going to get a bunch of swords and I'm going to throw swords at you now. And Rebecca's dodging them. And then Pino's like, hey, this, this cage we're in protects us from damage inside. Like it can't be destroyed from the inside. But if we damage it physically from the outside, that'll do it. And Rebecca immediately catches a a sword with her feet uh, and breaks the the cage. So that plot point has been solved abruptly yeah. very quickly uh-huh. uh it does get the comment though my how unladylike so Which, you know this doesn't make any sense she caught a sword with her feet what's it's very unladylike nick a true lady would have i guess been disemboweled i don't <laughs> how unladylike for you to not let me murder you yeah. mm. <laughs> uh immediately clown's like your mascots won't help you and pino's like i'm gonna activate the mp and Cloud's like, nope, doesn't work. I have anti-EMP coating that protects nope, me. I've got a bulletproof vest on. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, Pina's like, fine. Then I shut off the electricity on the floor. So now Re- Rebecca can land on the floor. And Happy turns into a bunch of guns. And Rebecca does like a Power Rangers landing where she just starts shooting and explosions come out. And for some reason, she's also shooting behind herself, <laughs> despite there not being anyone behind her. So I don't know what's going on there, but Clown's like, ah, you stupid little girl. And he he pulls out his most deadly circus trick of all, a machine gun, <laughs> and just starts shooting at her. Ladies and gentlemen, for my next trick. <laughs> for my next comical game. <laughs> oh, isn't that silly? I've got a gun in my hand. <laughs> I crack me up. <laughs> Just like the classic circus trick. <laughs> you never saw the gun up my sleeve. <laughs> uh, Pino, continuing that this is a video game, says, I've analyzed he has a weak point. The armor is lighter on the back of his neck. So immediately Rebecca just, just shoots him in the back of the neck and, and defeats him. And Clown is dead. Except he's not. He stands up and he's like, I'm so sorry I called you a wimpy weakling. Maybe it's time I started taking this a little seriously. 
and he activates Nightmare Clown. Dun, dun, dun. Now oh, no, he put on a jacket and his chin's big. He's an evil clown now, and he says, Pleasant Nightmares. And Rebecca starts getting sucked up into a mist, and she just disappears, and... That's it. Clown says, yeah. bye And the mist disappears. So who knows what happened? It looks like Rebecca has been sucked into a nightmare. Um, I hope it isn't just that she's like, oh, you're faced with your own insecurities and fears and whatnot. Because if that's the case, every opponent of the Dark Stars needs to do this then, because that's how Shiki got his fight started. I just want every one of them to, unrelated to each other, have a way to just send people into their own, basically, like, fears and subconsciousness. And then they have, like, a, they have a discussion about it after the crew of the Inzir have beaten them all. It's like, oh, what happened? Well, I, I showed them their greatest fears, and then they overcame them and beat me. Oh, I did that, too. What, you could do that? Yeah, I have this special mist that, like, turns people into, like, a dream, and then they could break out of it if they overcome their deepest insecurities. Oh, I just have a simulation that does that. Oh, I use illusions to do that. Wait, so we just all did the same thing? Are you shadow puppets? I kind of wish that we had had a bit here where uh, Nightmare Clown... Uh, Sucks away. Rebecca makes her fade away, and she's like, "Oh, you are you are doomed to be dissolved by the power of my mist." <laughs> Sorry, I don't I don't know how to turn that off. <laughs> uh, anyway, I gotta I better go help my uh, my crewmates. He starts walking away. <laughs> you, I was. You were supposed to get sucked up by the mist quicker, but I, I do have places to go, so, you know, ignore all these things. Or pie hits him in the face. <laughs> waka waka. Oh, all right. I, I, look, this is taking me too long. We gotta get in my car. <laughs> it starts stalling. He's like, oh, come on. I just filled this with gas. Oh. God. All right. Yeah, that was. He's like, I guess I'll have to take the jet, and he just opens an umbrella. And <laughs> oh man, yeah, great chapter of Me and Zero. What an entertaining character. There's so many said. better ways to make a clown character. Well, all right. So let's move on, I guess. Yep. All right. Akane Banashi, story twelve. Akane yeah, Akinabanashi. Uh, it's a it's a it's a color page for the series. Yay! It's always a good sign. Uh, we'll see how that uh, continues to hold true for the series. I hope so. All right. Uh, so we get a continuation of the story that was begun in the last chapter, where uh, the teacher that is trying to get Akane to take do career surveys and stuff is going to be attending a performance of Rakugo. But before that. We get a flashback. It turns out she's Kirisu. Remember that one, one, what those one or two arcs we never learned where Kirisu was like, no, I'll discourage them from following their, their yes. dreams because it's not responsible. It's like that, but way more economical, like, <laughs> because this is, because this is not a main character that this is happening with. So, um, and, uh, we see that like, she had this big, uh, moment where she, Happened to see a, a former student of hers on a news report one day. Uh, he he had told her that he wanted to be a comedian. And so she rooted him on 
but uh, it, it was clear that he had like quit very shortly into trying to do it. And it was now just scraping by an odd jobs and he was just tired and unmotivated now. And she felt really guilty as a result of this. And so she thinks to herself, look, the students get to decide what they do next in their lives. But maybe there were, must have been some way that I could have helped him beyond just saying, yeah, do that. And I could have told him what I thought, even if it led to an argument. I have to be responsible with what I say. That's what I tell myself. And we pick things up in Akane's performance. And uh, she tells this story of uh, someone visiting a priest at a Buddhist temple. Uh, uh, and, the, and he doesn't feel well, so he goes to see the doctor and uh the doctor says uh, do you have ten cheeky and the buddhist is like uh uh no ten cheeky wrong with you like that's not what the joke is that's not it ten she kiss me i don't know um yes yes five that's my answer yes um so the priest is just like, uh, no. And um, the fact, basically, the priest doesn't admit he doesn't know what Tenshiki means. Uh, and so, but because it's, you know, a serious matter, it's like, okay, a doctor just asked me this regarding my health. So he has to go and find out about it. So uh, he goes to a kid and it's like, hey, uh, I-, I gave you a lesson about uh, Tenshiki. You know, uh, you remember what it is? Oh, uh, you don't? Well, you better go and uh, remind yourself about it. And the apprentice goes to find out about it. And he just talks to the doctor. And the doctor's like, oh, oh, it means flatulence. And the boy's like, what? Farts. <laughs> Farts. <laughs> it's like the I'm audience. like, this comedy is brilliant. <laughs> like, I'm just... I'm just in the theater. I'm in the room laughing like fucking uh, Robert De Niro and Cape Fear. Just like, ha, 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 There is definitely something about, like, the matter-of-factness with which the doctor says it's, it's farts. It's like, there is something that is kind of amusing about that, even when it's just written down. And you see, like, the people in the eyes be like, <laughs> farts. Um, and, uh, Essentially, what happens is that the the little apprentice decides to play a little prank on the priest about Tenshiki. Uh, and we get, you know, meanwhile, Akane's friend uh, Jimbo is observing from the audience. And he's like, man, she's so much better at Rakugo than the last time I got to see her perform. She's so different. She must have worked really, really hard on this. And we see something that I'm very pleased with, which is taking advantage of modern technology for an old story, you know, storytelling form. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jimbo was just like, Hey, so uh, I got a shot of you performing Rakugo on my phone. What do you think? It's great, huh? And the kind of just like, Oh, it's awful. You see, like when I'm acting as Chinen, like the line of sight is all over the place. And Jimbo was like, well, what's the problem with that? Well, because the audience is using Chinen's gaze to imagine the doctor's size and how far apart they are from each other and the fact that i'm all over the place means that they can't visualize it i'm not helping them to get that idea of setting the scene it really feels different when someone's watching you uh, when i do this so let me try again 
And Jumbo thinks to himself, if I were in Akane's position, I would have turned my back on Rakugo. You know, her dad being expelled was so shocking it actually made the news. There were cries of outrage over the old man who did it. But it also drew interest in Isho Arakawa's Rakugo. And we get a shot of Arakawa looking like the villain of a manga. Like he looks so evil while he's performing Rakugo. It is definitely something where I was like, I feel like if I was in the audience, I'd be like, I don't I don't feel comfortable anymore. He's he's really angry. <laughs> and we get get this. Very realistic. His eyebrows portray- look like Aku's eyebrows. I don't <laughs> like really- this. <laughs> uh, and we get this very just real explanation of the fallout over what Arakawa did, which was sure there was controversy over it, but a lot of people were drawn to his Rakugo, and it's really good. And because it was really good, they were like, "Oh, he must have been justified in what he did then," and that shouted down and overwhelmed all of the controversy over it. Cause it's like, Oh no, he must have clearly been right. So. Thank God. There's no real life examples of this ever happening where a famous, famous person got off from doing abhorrent things because they're considered good at their craft. Yep. Uh, it's fine. Uh, but Jumbo says, you know, that, that made me mad that, that that happened. But despite that, Akane still chose to become a Rakugoka. And I can't begin to guess how much feeling went into that decision. It's not something you do on a whim. And meanwhile, Akane is still proceeding with her story. And basically, Chinen, the apprentice Buddhist, is like, well, I bet the master doesn't know what Tenshiki means. So I guess I'll give him the wrong answer then. And he's and so the apprentice goes back just like, yeah, Tenshiki means a sake cup. That's what the doctor was asking you. Uh, the teacher meanwhile is thinking to herself like every day i stand in front of a classroom and i have to convey things to my students and i understand how difficult that is and i understand how nerve-wracking that is and the fact that you've got to do all of that entirely on your own and you can only use your voice to hold people's attention and then Akane hits the big joke where, you know, the apprentice tells the, the master, it's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sake cup. And then the, the, the master goes back to the doctor and is like, oh, remember when you asked if I had Tenshiki? And I said, no, oh, no. As a matter of fact, I have a weakness for Tenshiki. I love it. Oh, the Buddhist priest just admitted that he loves farting. Hey! Everyone laughs. And the teacher is just like, I can't. Be- she, she made her audience laugh. That's insane that she can do that. That's not something you can just do in just a day. And I think that I saw him in Akane referring to her former student who tried to get into comedy. I thought she was only indulging in a dream. Choosing a career in something as obscure as Rakugo, I can't sign off on that. But she admits to herself watching Akane's performance. You were right all along. And uh, she also admits, I still have a lot to learn, too. And we see, hey, look, Akane is on stage and she's happy. It's really nice. And to draw things to a close on this little story, uh, Akane goes back to the teacher for the guidance counseling session. 
And she has filled out her future plan survey by just writing Rakugoka across all three rows. It's like, this is what I'm going to do. Going to all those schools, the Rakugoka school, over and over. Uh, and she even says, like, look, I'll sit through all the guidance counseling you want to give me out, but I've got to I've got to do this. And her teacher asks if she's, you know, worried about what this could do. What could this mean? Because it could limit her potential careers. And she also says, look, the path that you're pursuing, it might end up hurting you. Are you OK with that? Are you not worried? And it kind of just says, no, I'm not. Uh, so she accepts Akane's survey sheet and is like, yep, that's fine, which actually shocks her. And then she says, wait a minute, I knew it. You were at the Rakugo Cafe yesterday. <laughs> uh, but uh, in return for the flyer that uh, she got before, the teacher gives Akane a flyer, which is for a Rakugo competition for students. They sent one to their school. And she says, hey, it can't hurt to have another feather in your cap, right? So why don't you enter it? Especially because the head judge is none other than Isho Arakawa. Oh, she's going to meet the asshole for the first time in like 12 years, however long it's been. So it's been a bit. It's been a bit. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's a crazy little, I don't want to say twist, I guess, at the end, but like story development of like, hey, Mm -hmm. yes, this is a very good thing for you to probably do, but hey, it's going to lead to you confronting your your nemesis a lot sooner than you maybe were thinking, which is always an exciting prospect in these sorts of stories. Um, And like the content of the chapter was just really good i like the the guidance counselor kind of making that connection of like yeah i know what it's like to stand in front of an audience and understand how difficult it is to actually convey things you know how to how to you know difficult it is to not have the nerves and have that presence and everything like that and she's succeeding at that at her age like that's great you know i like giving a little bit i don't know if it's insight into jumbo per se but showing his relationship with akane and how that helped to kind of like fuel her you know um i don't know what you'd call it refinement of her own craft uh, yeah details like that and then i do just love like even though it's kind of the joke of like why does this guy look so evil i do really love the two-page spread where we see arakawa just fucking like i don't know just executing away you're like okay this guy's very good but based on the way you drew this i could see he is very very good I also love that we have the uh, moment in the flashback where Kanye is commenting on like, no, the line of sight is all wrong. And you need to get that right so that the audience can visualize the sizes, the heights and positions of the two people. And just before that, you get that moment where she's acting as the doctor and she's acting as the apprentice and she's drawn at two different heights so that they're looking up and down at each other. It's like. That, just those touches it's like yeah i see what you're doing that's great so it's, it's very excellent yeah. it's good stuff akane banache hell yeah also good stuff blue box blue box chapter 51 this is just right oh uh, it's about the beds and goldilocks i is it sure is that what this chapter is about <laughs> i don't know why not I don't uh, remember what happened, Nick. I, yeah. Until we get through this chapter, I'm going to be like, yes, I did read this. I do not remember it. It's not a super memorable chapter. Well, this, it does this, have this, this a goes for every chapter of every series this week where I'm just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I did read yeah. this. 
There's a, a few moments, though, that are important in this chapter. Uh, so we, we see just kind of a bit at the beginning where Taiki is rushing around trying to do a lot of stuff because, of course, you know, he is his like class president. He's got to like take care of these freaking things. Uh, and then he's kind of late for uh, Batman practice as a result of that. Uh, and then uh, his senpai Nishida comes over and is like, look, I know how hard it is. Time's limited and you can never get it back. But now that you've been tasked with the job, you have to fight hard within those limits until it's done. And my job is to lead you through every last practice. And you can count on me. And Taiki's like, oh, Captain. Ah. And everyone's like, and ever since this year became the captain, he's been trying so hard to look cool. <laughs> Which does definitely remind me of, um, I forget his name from Haikyuu. Uh, oh, um, I mean, Daichi is the past one to knock or no fuck i forget the guy who's supposed to take over you mean the one from karasuno right yeah yeah well the, the guy who from the very beginning is like you know praise me as your senpai because i'm oh, looking after tanaka. you so well that's tanaka who's just like a second year senpai tanaka right. and oh god what's the libero's name yep can't remember it sorry yeah but tanaka's the one you're thinking yeah but the, i definitely get very big uh, vibes of, of that off of this exchange it's, it's nice uh, so they get set to play a bit uh, there's also a moment where uh, afterwards where Taiki is talking with uh, a middle schooler someone because a lot more schools in Japan have like united like junior and, and senior high schools so he's talking to someone from the junior high division and giving him advice on like stuff which is a nice moment uh, for him to have and then the guy walks off. It's like, oh, thanks, Inamata Senpai. And she Shinatsu happens to come by when he's when he's saying this and leaving. And she's like, Inamata Senpai. That sounds so weird to hear someone calling you that. And she just like, like repeats it occasionally during their conversations. Like, it's so weird. <laughs> um, and uh, then they talk about it's like, oh, you know, it's kind of weird, you know, to see someone like, you know, see how much like you looked like an upperclassman in that moment. Uh, and Taiki's like, well, that's just cause like first year junior high kids are so short. And then they start talking about like, well, we used to be that tall though. And we just got, you know, bigger, you know? Um, and or rather the way it goes is she says, well, you used to be that height too, Taiki. And Taiki says, you don't know what I used to be like. <laughs> and it's like, Taiki, do you not know how human growth works? Yes. You used to be that tall, <laughs> at least briefly. <laughs> um, and then he's like, oh, and anyway, I'm going to get taller, too. And he stands up at his tip and is like, I'm going to be like this tall one day. And Chinatsu's like, that's no fair. I'm almost done growing. You can't be that much taller than me. And she, like, grabs him by the shirt and kind of tugs him back down. And they just have a moment where they kind of look at each other. And then she just says, this is just right. Or maybe if I were taller and you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> They're very cute, honestly. It's, it's, like it's, it's a sweet moment. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they, you know, they have a nice little laugh together and then they go their own separate ways. And then we go and see that uh, Hina is still trying to recite her lines. She's having a bit of a struggle memorizing a certain passage and then go, 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 go. Come on, go. Everyone knows go. Uh, he apparently has memorized the whole goddamn script, I guess. All right. Uh, uh, 
And uh, so he's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm constantly listening to you while I'm working on my other stuff. So, yes, I have that line memorized. And he was like, well, why didn't you start take on an acting role? And Kyo says, I'm no good at a cheesy romance like that. Okay. The heroine being struck by misfortune and hardship that I can sympathize with, but I can't abide by her just up and marrying some random prince. <sighs> go outside. Like, go outside just to, to talk to people. God. Please. <laughs> so uh, then she's like, hey, do you have someone you like, Kyo? And Kyo's like, why are you asking? And then he looks at her and he remembers, I guess, how she used to look. Is that what's going on in this panel? With her? Is that her with her hair down? I can't tell. Uh, um, no, he's, he's thinking of another girl he likes. Okay. Because whoever it is, the I think she's characterized as having fangs. Maybe. It does kind of look that way, yes. Uh, so Mulder Man is now officially interested in the series, ah, which is a good okay. thing. All right. Uh, but he says, oh, not now, because she got herself a boyfriend, so I gave up on it. So I don't, uh, the girl that I like went with someone else, so I don't love anyone. Uh, all right. Look, on. he's like 15. The world's just, over. Yeah, in his wor- in his mind, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to anybody ever. Yeah. Uh. And then he says, that's why I feel sorry for you for going after someone who already has feelings for someone else. But I also think it's remarkable. I'm glad he followed that up because it was going to be like, all right, fuck you, buddy. Fuck you. For that last line, like, I fuck face. I'm glad you're so fucking high and mighty from the place of the girl I never confessed my feelings to felt yeah, like really. somebody else. Like, and then I was just I just decided that I, I, I couldn't be into romance at all. Uh, and uh, she also says, like, look, Taiki's my friend, so I'm not going to give you any special encouragement for going after him. And they kind of like go off. They kind of fade off for a bit uh, after that. Um, and then we're kind of left with her on her own and she's like oh god this this is annoying i've got to go and do an errand for the class even though i've got an important role in the play yep life sucks get used to it so <laughs> damn <laughs> guess what every day after this is going to be a little worse than yesterday <laughs> that's just going to be how it is and then you'll die uh she gets to the career counseling office and she comes across chinatsu who is making some scans uh, and uh, they say hi to each other. Just like, do you need to use the copier? I know you can take your time. You're putting on a cafe, right? Yeah. By the way, I told Taiki I like him. Boom! End that's, of chapter. That's a big moment. That seems pretty big. So it's been a little bit over a year uh, that Blue Box has been running, and I will admit it's nice that, you know, there's like a pace for these developments where we don't just like keep them from ever progressing forever. Uh, so yeah, hopefully by the time we get another year, maybe someone will have gone on a date or something like that. Yeah, no, I think it's actually pretty cool. Um, it's a big, like, I don't know if this changes like the status quo, but it does like progress relationships and get things moving forward. And, 
remind me why I like Hina the most because she just continuously moves the plot forward, you know? Like, every chapter, every decision she makes is like, shit's gonna happen, alright? I'm not all about just, like, being cute one chapter and that's it. I'm gonna fucking I'll shake things up, goddammit. And I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Fuck status quos. There's yeah. Oh, no. Alright. Absolute silence. Nyx needs to focus. So we can, can. I can't see it anymore. They're too small. Right. I'll get it though. You should get like a. I feel like your spirit animal should be like a, a Venus flytrap. Uh, <laughs> just because it'll be something to help you hate bugs as much as you do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> like that's like your your stand when it comes out. It doesn't. <laughs> All it does is eat bugs. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, I love this. This is the best. I love you. Uh, Slipknot. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. That's what you called it, dude. You're the, you're the one who picked it. Uh, all right. So I mean, anyway, if you choose to name your own stand, you name it something completely. You're like, thanks for eating those bugs. Ale storm. <laughs> what? I mean, I There's guess. nothing pirate like about this at all. <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. So uh, there is a chapter of Durandurran. Durandurran. Everyone's right. favorite series. Oh, there. Oh, oh, next focused. Oh. I'm like a cat. I can't. Like, it just. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> there it is. <laughs> it was. It's you getting so close to the camera and then to kill it. It was like basically up your oh man, I love it. I love I feel like there's a satisfaction in your soul when this happens. Oh, absolutely. Like a like a a balance has been restored to the, the Freeman household. Yeah, exactly. God. Look, any of you who judge me, you don't live in Florida. <laughs> okay. That is true. <laughs> All right. Last time, Dora and Kusanagi met Naotora, who is a powerful samurai officer, and she's got a crush on Dora, and it uh, turns out she's who a senior officer. Doesn't? Yeah, well... He's uh, the hunky manga protagonist everyone's talking about. Trying to think of any character in the series who doesn't like Dora, and I can't, because everyone gets along in this uh... boring <laughs> Well, there's the the dudes on the council that, except for the main guy, he likes. What happened to them? I I don't know. (laughs) They all died. Who cares? (laughs) Nick, this universe ceases to exist in like two months. So, uh, so uh, now Tara objects to Dora trying to address her more formally, and he's like, "Well, I can't. I've got to do because senior officers are awesome." And now Tora, you know, starts getting all you know, kind of like self hateful and stuff. So Dora's like, "Okay, we'll we'll call you now, Tora." Then and she's like, "Yay! I wish you would call me now, Tan, though." Yeah, because she's got a crush on Dora. Aww. She does. Okay. Um, and uh, they like exchange compliments and stuff. And then Uji comes by and is like, wait, what? Why are you complimenting her and not me? Uh, also, he's been having a popsicle. Uh, uh, oh, he and lost. He didn't win the free he popsicle. Didn't, he he didn't, get the, didn't get the popsicle prize. And he's like, what the fuck? I'm way stronger than her. They've been spending way more time with me. And they still don't. They only call me Mr. Uji and stuff. So anyway, he goes and talks to Naotora later. And he's like, 
Dory Kuznagi or my team don't steal them. And Natara's like, don't talk about them like they're objects. I just, I have such a hard time nailing down his character. Like, I truly can't. Like, I was like, if you told me this premise, I'd have been like, I don't think it fits his character for him to be like super annoyed that someone else is getting more is like favored by his students more than he is. And I'm like, I guess he is super selfish and also juvenile. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. I guess the answer to all things. He's like, he's like the shitty version of Gojo in that, like he kind of wants to be praised and admired for everything. But, like, he doesn't have a personality like Gojo he does. He doesn't have charisma. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like it, there's, like, a shitty trait from every cool mentor character that people do, like, inside of this guy. Yeah. Eventually, he's going to start trying to sexually harass a female character uh, oh, no. in exchange for something. I don't I don't like this at all. Well, you said shitty character traits. You've that, asked for this now. That, that so. is true, but I, <laughs> I would like to recant my statement. Okay. Well. I think that the answer for all things in Doran Doran is just because it's shit. And then like, why, why are you? Cause it's bad. That's, that's why things happen in this. That's why, cause it's just bad. It's like, so they start arguing over it and they're like arguing over the fact that Uji just wants people to praise him. But now Tara says, well, you don't care who praises you as long as someone's doing it. And she's like, I want to work with Dora and I'm not going to stay away from him. And she runs away. Uh, anyway, she goes to visit Dora the next day. It's super early. She knocks on the door and Dora comes outside. He's like, quiet! Which is very surprising, actually. Because like, Dora's like, never acts this way towards anyone. Uh, but it turns out it's okay. It's okay. Look, there's no problem, guys. There's no problem. No one's actually upset about anything. No one's actually done anything wrong. Dora just needs his beauty sleep. And he woke up too early. And when he's sleep deprived, he gets a little cranky. And Kusanagi immediately comes outside and explains all of this. And everything is fine. While Dora's asleep, so he's no longer angry. And Kusanagi's like, he won't even remember this later, so don't worry about it. And Dora's like, oh, okay. And then Kusanagi's like, I'm rooting for you. And she's like, well, what do you mean? Oh, because you've got a crush on Dora, Right. I love Dora, too, and I want Dora to be low, so I'm rooting for you, and you're nice. And they shake on it because no conflict can ever happen in this series. See, it makes sense if there is some sort of jealousy between these two people, but no, we couldn't have that because everyone's friends in Doran Doran. Everyone's friends, uh, except the bad guys who die really easily. Uh, and then they... Uh, um, the she, She's like, I made some rice balls, and they're homemade. Do you want them? And Kusanagi's like, yeah! But uh, Dora doesn't like pickled plums, which has her nervous. Uh, and then they go out and they they go jogging and and training. And uh, other samurai are like, "Oh man, it's it's that it's that one Mononoke uh, a, a guy with with uh, with officer uh, whatever Naotora's last name is." Uh, and she gets embarrassed because like, "Oh my god, did they think that we're dating?" No, they don't. But you know that's her thing. They train and then they have a lunch break. Oh, and I made rice balls. And uh, Dora goes for them, uh, but she tries to warn him, like, wait, that one has a pickled plum. And and Dora's just like, it's delicious. Thanks. And she's like, but he hates pickled plums, which is Aww. like, oh, yeah. Dora's a nice guy. Isn't that nice? He, he ate the thing that he normally doesn't like, but it was from someone that you know he respects and cares about. So he's like, it's delicious. Isn't that sweet? 
that's that's actually a nice moment. Uh, they go to train with Uji because we have to stop the character conflict immediately. So they all just all train together, and they also train with a hot head guy. Uh, Uji's still creepy and grumpy about it, though, because he's he's Uji. Uh, and then they go back home after that, and they have some Dongo from Stall. Nora <laughs> says, oh, you're so inspiring, Natora. And uh, she spots someone spying on them. Oh, there's a figure How in the shadows who wears is, a is um, the little monster thing eating the do- doyaki or whatever? He has huh? no hands. He doesn't have lips. It's like in his mouth. But it's I also not in his mouth because it's... It's hanging out. Like, I think he's just... Yeah. I don't know. I feel like he just inhales the spear a little bit further into his mouth. Maybe it's bad character design and the author (laughs) didn't think of that. So they just didn't draw the thing making it physically possible and thought, who's going to fucking care? Fair enough. Anyway. Oh, look, another scene. Oh, it's it's an elephant-trunked Mononoke guy coming out of a Tori gate. He appears. He's like, oh, I'm in the human world now. His name is Dosan, and Kanbei is there to greet him. And Kanbei's like, I'll guide you, Dosan. And Dosan's like, ooh, there's so many humans around. And and, uh, a figure says, raise as much chaos as you like. And, And Dosan looks down and says, what a strange person. He's human, so why would he bring a Mononoke here? And oh, look, it's a human figure in, in uh, face wrappings and stuff. Who could they be? I'm going to say it's the main dude from the Samurai Squad people, the old guy. Sure, why not? It's the only character it could be that wouldn't just be a new character, right? <laughs> right. Good, de- good chapter. Great, great development. Uh, I feel like we've we've come to love every everyone... A little bit more, and truly, we are the richer for it. Let's move on to an extra special chapter, Magu-chan. Oh, oh, sorry, I, I erased the last five minutes of my brain. Okay, Good job. So, guys, it's Magu-chan kind of destruction. We uh, were pro- we were we did get advertisements for this uh, some time ago, uh, and uh, hey, here it is. Uh, bonus chapter. The boy's mad love. And look, oh, it's a color page with everyone the boy hanging out. Is about is Naputaku. That's the boy. It's about um, Naputaku's mad love. I mean, Naputaku is the first person we see in this chapter. So I stopped there. I was like, I saw another character. No, no need this. I'm just reading the chat. I just read the panels with Naputaku in it. <laughs> uh, Naputaku uh, has gotten some coupons for Marinoia. Uh, and he's like, oh, my God, a thousand yen coupons. Oh, I can buy so many things to help with my cooking and shopping. Yay. And Rin's like, oh, by the way, um, you've got to split those between yourself and my brother. You got to give half of them to Ren. And Iputaku's like, why should I do that? He never does anything for me. <laughs> I do love that moment. He's all excited. And he's like, what? Fuck this. I don't want to do that. Oh, I don't like sharing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving half. Fuck him. <laughs> He's such a little dick. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ren. Oh, it's a little bit later because the kids are all in high school now. And uh, he's thinking to himself, like, oh, God. Uh, he's talking to Aeneas. 
I don't know because he's if he's a he's a masochist. I don't know. I don't know why he's talking to Aeneas. But Aeneas like you gotta confess to Rue. You're in high school and you haven't done anything to get to her. I won't allow the last chapter to go by with no rom com developments. <laughs> okay, it's a little funny. That's it's, it's a little bit funny. Uh, and then she starts immediately negating it because she rolls back and forth the ground throwing a fit because no one's listening to her wanting to get her entertainment from humans and stuff. Um, so uh, <laughs> Gula is like, what's going on? Is, are you guys fighting? And Yuika kind of whispers to Gula saying, oh, Fujisawa likes Ruru. And Ren's like, how do you know that? And everyone's like, it's 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 really obvious that, that you do. That, that That's how we know. Obviously. Uh, but the great th- thing is that, uh, you know, they're talking about it's like, oh, don't you want to get together with Ruru? And Gulad doesn't know what they're talking about. So he imagines that they're going to like fuse or something like that. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, and uh, Aeneas like, hey, come on. You want to get into more an intimate relationship with Ruru, don't you? And, R- and Ren's like, look, I don't want to bother her. She's had a tough life. And I don't want to burden her with anything. You can take, take Zonzige and plops him into Ren's head to reveal his true uh, intentions and despair. And he immediately starts crying tears of blood, screaming about how badly he wants to, to date Ruru. But he's just too scared to do it. I mean, good. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's, look, I have to say this before we get much further into this. This is probably the best Ren chapter of this series because <laughs> he shows an actual character. Yeah, I was going to say, in fairness, this is kind of the only time he's really been given a whole lot to, like, develop himself personality-wise, so, yeah. Uh, so, Yuika kind of laughs at him. Kyo, however, is more encouraging, uh, and and she says, hey, you know, look, Ruru's kind of ignorant when it comes to love. She just hasn't noticed you yet, but I'm sure, I, but I think you guys actually feel the same way about each other. And uh, so Ren feels a bit better about himself. He's like, yeah, there's no need to rush things. I'm sure someday Ruru and I can go out. End of chapter. Oh, that's a no. small chapter. It's weird that my <laughs> reader bar says we're only like yeah, a so tenth much... of the way through the chapter. <laughs> Who <laughs> just shows up? No, you'll never date her. Goodbye. And then floats away. <laughs> I, like, I'm so glad that Yupi Susu showed up, but I have no idea why they're the one that does it. Nope, you're never going to date if you keep wussing out. Basically, I like it was it makes sense. They are the character that have the ability to like know the future so right for someone to instill the fear of like look it's not just a possibility it is a definite if you do not confess to ruru then she is going to marry somebody else you are not going to date her uh, i also like that it adds like also you will be sad and lonely and a <laughs> fucking loser as a result like all right man she can't you got to move on. Like you look like you're an old man. And that happens like 30 fucking years past. You're like, I still yeah. my middle school crushed it and married someone else. <laughs> yeah. You'd be Susan flat out. Tells him not only will you not get together if you don't work with the nerve to confess to her, you'll just die alone. And suck. <laughs> it'll suck. You suck. Goodbye. Ren gets really upset about this. He says, what is this? What are you? And he just says, and they just say, I am Yuppie, the Eternal. (laughs) 
It's like, yeah, all right. UBC so also indicates like I had pretty high hopes for you. You were responsible for Naputuku the Mad's growth, which led me to think you could be unique in some way. But as far as I could tell, you are an average human destined for a mediocre, ordinary, conventional existence. I mean, I'm glad that the series just flat out said it's like, yeah, Red's just kind of a boring, normal guy. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, you, but UBC says, I am merely an observer. I do not know how to change the future. You must reel in the future you desire with your own hands. You who bring change to the paths of others. Fujisawa, Disciple of Madness, which is a pretty cool title. Um, so Ruru realizes, like, okay, I've actually got to confess to her. Ren rather realizes he's got to confess to Ruru. Meanwhile, Ruru is uh, sending Magu off with Izuma uh, to go and train. And they immediately break into a huge shonen battle off off panel. And Ruru just, like, walks away all happily be like, Magu-chan's having a sleepover with Izuma. Everything's working out for him. Uh, she comes across Sarah, however, who's kind of like spying on proceedings, uh, and, uh, she's looking upset and she tries to claim that she's on a secret mission, but then Nitsi comes out and says, she missed her chance to say something to Izuma, which is that she wants to go shopping with him, uh-huh. uh, because Izuma only ever wears the same uniform and Sarah's like, you should be wearing cooler clothes when we're out in, in public. Uh, so anyway, Rue gets an idea and they're like, Hey, how about I come with you to go shopping? Uh, and then they're, they're going to go to Maranoia. Wait a minute. That's when Naputugu has coupons. Hmm. I wonder if everyone's going to meet. I want Nick. I wonder if the A plot and the B plot are going to end up meeting up together at some point. Maybe just maybe. Uh, Rue was walking home and she's like, yeah, I've got a shopping date with Sarah. That'll be fun. She runs into Ren, who works up some nerve. And he's like, oh, I, I, I want to go to uh, uh, I, uh, Maranoia. We should go shopping together. Oh, but I've got a date tomorrow. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> so Ren um, is crying tears of blood again. So he decides to go and spy on Rue's date to find out what jerk is she's going to go dating and stuff. Aniris, of course, is there to spy. Muscar is like, I've got nothing better to do. What the fuck are you guys up to? <laughs> uh, Ren is basically on the words like, I'm going to kill whoever this is. But then Rue waves as... Oh look, it's Naputuku! Yay! Naputuku showed up. He's got the, he's got to go on a shopping trip. He's got all his hermit crab pals. And Ren's like, "Wait, what the fuck is Ruru dating Naputuku?" <laughs> Which no. <laughs> uh, and Naputuku's just like, "Look, young lady, I got a bonus. Don't tell the boy." It's <laughs> immediately. It's like you've got no reason to tell her that. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just I, <laughs> like a child. Like a pure chat. I ain't got money. Don't tell him though. <laughs> why would you even bring him up? And of course, Red spying on this and UB is like, Nabujiku, I'll kill you for being with Ruru. Uh but Nabujiku just thinks he's found out about the coupons and he runs in, grabs Nabujiku and starts like wrenching him apart. Uh, and Nabuchu is like, ah, no, the coupons are mine. 
I don't know. I, I just want to live as Nabutiku. <laughs> no, my coupons. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's being fucking ripped from head to leg. <laughs> so Ren's like, "Wait, what are you talking about?" And Nabutiku uses the distraction to smack Ren in the face with his head tentacle and run away, going, "Idiot, you won't get a cent." <laughs> Team Rocket's getting away this time. <laughs> Uh, so Ren's like, oh, they were on a date. Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. If she was going to go out with someone I knew, then I'd have heard about it. Oh, my God, Izuma showed up and Ruru's meeting Izuma. So, um, yeah, Ren's... Ren dies. Yeah, he's, he, he, he slowly dies. dies repeatedly, basically. <laughs> and just, just following them around on their date as they go and do regular teenagers, uh, having a meetup at the mall stuff, going shopping, trying on clothes, drinking boba together. Uh, and he just gradually collapses to the ground and probably the funniest Ren joke ever. He collapses in a bleeding heap and writes in his own blood. The killer was a handsome athletic boy. Why wouldn't he just written was Izuma? Like, why did he on his way out have to like kind of pump him up? Like the killer was absurdly hot. Great style. So cool. Uh, he's. Like, way older than me, but also in the same grade as me. It's kind of weird. He's so hunky. I want him to wash my face against his abs. Ugh, I'm out of blood. Oh, God. So, um, and Ren's just like, I guess that Izuma's Ruru's future husband, huh? Uh, but then, um, Muscar is like, Uneris, this is the fault of your lowly pet human. And, but Uneris is like, no. What, Izuma? What? No, there's no way I wanted to see that coming. And she's basically already seen through it. And of course, she didn't tell Ren, which honestly, good choice. Because like, she's just like filming him crying and collapsing and stuff the whole time. <laughs> uh, and hey, wouldn't you know it? It's actually Sarah in disguise. She's demonstrated this ability before. Uh, so their way of figuring out what clothes she could buy for her brother was to actually transform into him and try the clothes out makes sense and hey led to a big joke setup and stuff um <clears throat> however Ruru then brings up the point of like oh and ren's full of surprises too i couldn't believe the things he was doing with a good girl like you because of the one time she stumbled in upon them when it looked like they were getting up to something and sarah me is like no 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 that 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 was a misunderstanding and Ruru's like what really and just then sarah says wait i i thought you two were dating which Rue immediately dismisses. She's like, oh, well, you know, we just we've known each other our whole lives. Our parents are friends. Uh, Ren's got his cool older sister, Rin. So he'd never fall for someone like me, which is, that is a, a weird no. inclusion. I was like, I've never I guess maybe it's different if you know someone's family and you I, I assume Ruru looks up to Rin a lot. But it is a weird thing of like, ah, oh, his older sister's so cool. He'll never date me. Like. What? It's especially when we're talking about anime and manga, you know, and all of the different implications that can carry when you think about the stuff associated there. I, I know it's not. But I know. I, I believe the implication is she looks up to Rin and because of it, she's like, oh, he has a sister that that's that cool. He won't even notice somebody like me or like 
he's got this female figure in his life that uh, that if he compared us, I would never seem good. And so he wouldn't see me as appealing. It's just yeah. the way it, it reads is like, what? Yeah, it's a bit odd. Uh and we see that uh, we, when we flash over to Rin, that uh, Izuma is uh, hanging out at their place with with Magu. Uh, so hey, hey, that that idea that we had as a complete throwaway joke in our in our Magu-chan tier list. Oh, looks like they're getting. Together. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, cool. listen to, listen to our Magu-chan character tier list. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> so, you can find it on Patreon. Um. But then Ruru starts complimenting Ren to Sarah, saying he's a really great guy. He doesn't discriminate against anyone. He's a hard worker. And when I was at my lowest and I couldn't stay home, he would stop at nothing to come and find me. And I want him to be happy. Um, Meanwhile, Nabutaku is happily going about his shopping trip and his hermit crabs say, aren't you going to give the coupons to Ren? No, but you need to give him half. Well, if I give him half, I'll only have half for myself. He is right. Yeah. It is logic. He knows what's going on. And he's like, ah, it's annoying how he's on my case all the time. And I'd be better off without him. And the hermit crabs revolt. They start pinching him. And Nobujiku says, ah, I'm your leader. Let go. But the hermit crabs bring the point that Ren taught him how to cook, so he needs to go and apologize. And they take the coupons and carry them off. And they say, we're going to take this away until you go apologize to him. We're on strike, which is kind of crazy. So. Um, and then immediately Nabutaku is really upset. He starts crying. He's like, why won't you listen to my orders? Why is this happening? I don't like it. I get lonely when I'm all by myself. I don't like oh. this at all. Oh, oh, I don't like this chapter at all anymore. Nick, turn it off. He's done nothing to deserve this at all. He's, Poor boy. He's been so good forever. But as Nabutaku races off, uh, he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, he stumbles across Ren, who is still collapsed, quote unquote, dead. And he's like, the boy! Oh no! Speak to me! Uh, and Ren's like, uh, Nabuzuku, it's all over for me. I wanted to be strong and dashing, a guy Ruru could count on so she wouldn't feel alone. But Ruru's not alone anymore. She has Izuma and the God of Destruction. She hasn't needed me for a long time. Uh, and uh, he apologizes and says, I'm sorry for doubting you. And Nabutaku says, no, no, I'm sorry for taking the coupons. A guy you can count on? You already are one, and I'm counting on you. You gotta teach me more about cooking, and I'll go running with you every day. You are strong and dashing. Cheer up. Don't die. Get up, Ren! And he uses his mad chaos bark to get Ren back on his feet. And Ren's pupils glow with a star-shaped pattern as he's infused with the power of Naputsuku. <sighs> I can't believe something so sweet and dramatic was saved for such a silly moment, but... <laughs> uh, Ruru bids farewell to Sarah. She leaves through a portal, and uh, she's like, oh, and, and I can take you home through a portal, too. Uh, and is and about to follow her through to go home, but Ren approaches her. And says, Ruru, we have to talk. And he's still got the power of Nabutaku shining in his eyes. And Uneris explains, oh my gosh, Nabuchan unleashed his powers without thinking. Frenzy is the power to control another being's mind. And Ren's like, 
I feel strange, brimming with confidence, and not afraid of anything. I am strong and dashing. And now I can finally tell you, Ruru, I have always... The power fades away immediately. Like, uh... Nobutiku passed out before he complete this his little mission oh and you can see a little little his soul leave his body and a little his angel sword but like just because of the way his body looks it looks like he's just like yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so he starts to go like oh uh, like like i like and Ruru's like what lichen what, what are you talking about uh but because she says that ren snaps into correcting her mode and just goes i like you and immediately freezes up after he realizes what he's done. And while everyone reacts to this, including Naputiku, who's still over in the mall and is passed out. But he reacts to it, too, I guess. Yeah. He's, uh, and Ruru just says, wait, put in the. Oh, come on. And she leaves through the portal. And just leaves him. <laughs> and we get narration on from Yuppie Susu, who says. And so the boy's love came to an end. And Muscar just, stop that! (laughs) (laughs) So we get a little bit more wrap-up. And uh, Unera says, uh, Frenzy is a power that gives beings the courage to do things they wouldn't usually do. That's why Napuchan was so quick to tire. Uh, And they say, wait, so then his frenzied army isn't under his control. They've they just been. Him. They love him. They, they just wanted to be his 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 followers the whole time. Aww. Uh, Susu assesses Ren, saying he's able to bring about change even without special powers. I want to know what they will accomplish. I will return to the future to observe. And that's the sound Yupipitsu makes. When well, according to this, it goes zwip. So I, I like know. to think it is the sound of a mic getting smacked, though, because that is actually kind of a cool sound when <laughs> that happens. Hey, Maga's in this Maga-chan chapter. <laughs> I did. There was a moment at the end. I was like, oh, yeah, Magu-chan. <laughs> Ruru gets home and Magu is just reading some Maga. He says, you are late, my disciple. I have long been home already. And Ruru dives face first into him and it just like kind of like presses him against her face uh to which magachan responds with a headbutt it shall not pierce my flesh great line (laughs) but he also starts to kind of melt because ruru's body temperature is elevated because she's all blushing and and embarrassed about what's happened and she's like well I, i just got a little spooked is all and so something started to change in the girl and boy's relationship, though it will still be a little while yet before the two of them realize it. And that's the end of our bonus chapter. So um, I do really like the note that this ends on just like kind of saying like, hey, look, Ren got to have his moment where he actually told her about how he feels. Does that mean they got together? Maybe, maybe, maybe. not. Uh, I would kind of prefer never finding out to preserve that ambiguity that we got in the finale chapter, which was so great. Um, but it was nice to have a Maga-chan chapter that was just really, really, really funny as well. And to say, show like, hey, look, this character could have been funny the whole time if we had done different things with him. 
So, and this is just great to just get a little bit more market shine. Yeah, general. it was a fun little thing. You know, if we were going to get a little bit more. I'm glad it focused on the Putaku and other yeah. characters, I suppose. Yeah, you got his coupons. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about. Although, do we have to play podcasters, postulate, professional, something, something, something? I do have a, I do have a puzzle for you, yes. Okay. So, it is. <clears throat> podcasters postulate, poetically phrased, professional pretenders. Yes. So. Painted paranormal partaker of parasites and putrid pimple. The bo- boogeyman. That's right. There you go. It's only so many painted paranormal figures, and then I got to a pimple. Like, I, I was, yeah, I was like, part What was it? Par- parasites or something like that? Parasites, yeah, which it's like, not yeah. really accurate, but yeah. I got it. Eats worms. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I worked backwards from how do I get from the point of that one time he ate Jillian Hall's pimple for some reason. <laughs> Why did we do that? Yeah, yeah. what an awful, awful gimmick. All right. It's chapter 31 minus 2P. (laughs) Okay. So we see that. uh, Oh, it's like uh, when Bleach did that flashback and we started back from negative 108. And then just worked our way back up to an arbitrary number like negative 97. And I'm like, all right, the flashback is over. So Maloli is one of the many people that uh, fell into the ocean in the image that Lucky conjured for Mimin. And she thinks to herself as she is, you know, in this image sinking into the ocean. Why did I say that to Lucky? After telling him what I did, of course he tried to help Mimin. Am I not completely evil? Was there a part of me that wanted Mimin Otogami to be saved? Was it a mistake then? Aww. I don't know. She's like Thanos. Is she? Yeah, like early uh, early comics Thanos, like always jokingly kind of like not jokingly, but like that was the joke is he always kind of wanted to fail. So he'd be like, I have the cosmic cube. Oops, I dropped it. <laughs> and the heroes would be like, you suck, Thanos. Now we have the Cosmic Cube. And he'd get in his helicopter and be like, I'll get you next time. <laughs> it's so, Thanos Copter. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Mimosa, or whatever her name is, I've forgotten, uh, is just like Thanos. Right, okay, good to know. <laughs> uh, but Mololi also says, I don't know, but I do know one thing. You're the only one able to cross this ocean, right? And we see that, oh, Mimin made it to the island. And look, her little fairies are there along with her keyboard that she played with. It's nice. And she just says, from now on, we'll always be together. Lucky realizes. Just like that song from the Scrubs musical. Before it got really sad. But then it got happy again. She was fine. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh. Sionji? Is that his name? The, the the ponytail dude. He's looking at Maloli. Anyway, Mimin just gets up on stage and just pulls Lucky uh, out of his chair from the piano. And she says, thank you. Thanks to your performance, I was able to come up with something great. But how were you able to bring out the fairies? And Lucky's just like, oh, because 
because I saw your fairies. Well, what about their voices? Oh, that was Meloli Senpai's voice. What about being able to touch things? I played with the sensations. They just have this conversation and she's really excited and they're holding hands while she's doing it. And she's just really, really excited. And she's like, oh, the pianica and keyboard on the island. Those are the same ones I played in our home in Japan. I see. Thanks, boing, boing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that she never stops doing it it's it's always it's always thanks boing boing like she'll be at her funeral and giving the eulogy for some reason <laughs> she's just like i remember when i first met boing boing and everyone's like is she gonna explain why she calls that like no nope no. nope it was when my brother had been expelled from our family because our father hated that he was a mediocre piano player and he made me see the fairies that I always saw. And like, what's going on here? What is happening? What is happening? How did she get on stage? <laughs> uh, and she says, why well, wasn't I able to notice this before? Maybe because I was born into the classical music world and that's all I've ever known. Anyway, I've decided to leave that world. I also want to leave the Otogama fa- family and create a world with my fairies. I'm not going to do anything that robs me of my freedom ever again. And then she, you know, kind of like they kind of get a little bit further apart from each other. And Lucky says, I think you're going to face a lot of challenges, but I'm sure you're going to experience some amazing freedom. And I'm in your corner always. Aw, supportive, loving siblings. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. And then someone is like, you're in the middle of the stage. Get out. <laughs> uh, so she departs and she says, my finale is going to be at the national. So look forward to it. Uh, Lucky bows after his performance to kind of like. Because everyone's like, I mean, he played Joyful Island, but I felt really distressed while he was doing it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. And uh, then Dada Sensei goes, Gah! Yep. <laughs> I do like him being like, God damn it, you stupid kid. <laughs> Why did you focus on your sister so much? You kind of, you just sank your whole performance for that sake. And Lucky looks out at the eyes and he's like, oh, everyone looks so confused. Oh, oh. And then Sora Chika stands up Aww. and he goes, Bravo! He's amazing, right? That's my little brother. I say little brother, but we're septuplets. And it was like, wait, so that article about the Gakuen siblings was true? He's like, yeah, it was. That's huge. Like, that's... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Meloli gets ready to leave, but then Ponytail Dude uh, grabs her wrist and says, I like your distorted playing style, Meloli. But I don't think you're the type to be satisfied with winning by default. All right. Why are you here? Uh, So (laughs) but then. Before she can go anywhere, Mimin comes through the door right in front of her and says, I'm here to rescue you, my fairy. And that's the end of the chapter. (laughs) I fucking love this chapter. It is so goddamn sweet. I love the interaction between Lucky and Mimian on the stage. Uh, I just love how fucking happy this chapter is. Like, there was a moment where I was like, oh, yeah, like, Lucky basically did tank his performance. And then Sora Chica stands up and basically gets everybody to be like, no, this was really good. And also announces, hey, Lucky is our sibling. Like, it, I don't know, it's just like great stuff all around. I love it. 
It's really, really satisfying because we know how distant Lucky has had to be from his siblings for all this time. And so to see that a number of them really do deeply care for each other is very, very nice. Yes. So. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see where this goes because it looks like we're not quite done with this little story arc just yet. No, I imagine so. we're going to get something else here. I knew you were going to do something. I saw the bug fly across your camera screen and I was like, in a moment, Nick's going to be on the prowl like the cat he is. Yep. Meow. So. <laughs> guys. There's a new chapter, new Do series. We, I, I feel like we may need to rush through this one. All right. Let's Google the, the Spark Notes version of this. <laughs> I do want to. Do you mean a... Google, Nick? Or go Google? So I, I do want to make a note of the opening lines of this series. Do you know about Google? Which <laughs> you almost expected there to be like presented by google <laughs> yeah i mean like they go to all the trouble of like oh we made up this this special magic app there there only our protagonist has called goo 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 and so it's like google but it's not it's google but you know with the, but it's special and not google so we can avoid copyright hey do you guys know what google is yeah <laughs> it's weird um this is gonna be a series about a guy who's got a special app uh, that only he has that can allow him to look up basically anything. We start to kind of learn some of the limitations in this chapter. His name is Q, both actually Q, because that's his nickname, like the letter, like the 007 Diage guy. And also his name is the Japanese name Q. Uh, okay. Uh, and Q also has a friend and the, they, they, they're childhood friends because Q lost his brother uh, a long time ago. Uh, he went missing one day while they were playing hide and seek and somehow like nine year old Q had the thought to go. I always thought science was all knowing and we can scour the planet with satellites. I can even see atomic particles with electronic microscopes, but we can't even find one child. What kind of kid talks like this? <laughs> He's eight years old. Uh, and uh, then he just gets to zap one day. It allows him to look up stuff. And uh, he solves a mystery with it. He, he helps an abducted child uh, through goo-goo-gooing uh, different things and narrowing search results down. Because, yes, it's kind of all-knowing, but he has to ask the right questions because there are limits on it, which are kind of weirdly ill-defined. Yes. Uh, and then he helps the little girl. And uh, he doesn't immediately jump to the conclusion of, like, oh, I can save my brother because uh, records don't go back that far, I guess. I don't know. There's weird limits on this all-knowing uh, app that also has an AI that he names and has its own personality called, which is just, he just calls Kimi, which is, you know, you and Japanese. So, you know, very imaginative names in this series. Q is Q. U is you. Yay! Uh, and also he's earning points because, I don't know. The, the it, there are a few points throughout the chapter where the Goo 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 app very mysteriously goes, please collect points. Like the, the, I like the last time that I read a series that had a, a character with Q in its name that spoke this way, it was Madoka Magica, and it got really creepy. Uh, so I don't trust this magical figure that has suddenly inserted itself into his life that can solve all his problems. Yeah, it's gonna kill him <laughs> and all of his friends. All right. So <laughs> I, I to the, the, the point of this chapter, um, I kind of like this series 
I don't. I I, I think. Mate, look. As I said earlier in a previous episode, I'm at a point right now where a story about uh, brothers that seems to have like an emotional core to it. Maybe it just caught me in a different way where I was like, because I know some people were very much like, I hate this dude based off the start of it. And then I was like, I understand what it's like to do very strange things because because grief has <laughs> gripped you in a way you don't mm-hmm. fully comprehend. So maybe I'm giving like a lot of leniency to him being like a complete asshole who just likes to intentionally score just 60 points he basically does what polly does from uh third jumpstart third grade mystery mountain where she's like i intentionally got the answers wrong because (laughs) 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 she sends robots back in time to make her answers correct because she assumed everyone got her joke but it's very similar to the motivations of the antagonist from jumpstart third grade mystery mountain oh my god Lodi is like thanos and this dude's like Polly from Jumpstart Third Grade Mystery Mountain. Uh, the point I'm getting that is, I, I found myself able to enjoy parts of this this opening chapter. I feel bad though because the biggest criticism I have about this opening chapter is the art is very unremarkable. It is not bad, but it is it just doesn't do anything like i don't feel anything in particular as i read it this this feels like anyone could draw this like i don't mean like any i just have a very difficult time parsing together like a distinctive style from this i was like yes this looks like a manga would and that's that does i think hold back a a good amount of my investment in the series this is uh by the same artist who did ziga Yes. And I believe you were similarly not very impressed by the art in that one. It's been a while since that came out. Uh, story is also by a, uh, it's it's one where someone writes it and someone draws it. Uh, and I've never heard of the uh, author. The old righty drawy combo. Yeah, exactly. That's what they call them. I don't know. It's one of those series where like, I didn't hate it when I read it. Um, I find the premise to be a bit weird, but I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, and uh, Hey, like we've had series that have weird purposes like this, that we ended up liking. We did really like Neolation, for example, but it's going to, I think, depend heavily on how the dynamic morphs, uh, especially early on, because a guy who solves mysteries by impossibly obtaining information is kind of boring. Like, it's like, Oh, but he figured out what questions to ask. Like, yeah, but who cares? It, <laughs> it, it feels as though there's gotta be stuff to like get in the way or something. Like it feels like once he figured out like, Oh, I can't just ask, where's this person, but I can ask, Hey, where's their fucking backpack or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, suddenly the answer is a lot of questions. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like the, the, the limits of this feel relatively thin. But maybe this would make for a good series that only does run 20 chapters or so. Maybe this doesn't need a long run. I don't think anybody aims for that in Shonen Jump, but I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, not horribly bad, but I'm not excited by it yet. So. All right, Nick, let's move over to Mashal Magic and Muscles, Chapter 106, Mash Burn Dead, and the reasons to fight. So we open with a narration that says, Previously... Dot and Lance got ready to get serious, and we see that they have run into Order Metal. And uh, Dot is, of course, the one who's like, 
wait a minute, that's the guy who was bullying Mash. Not only that, he obviously sees us as an annoyance. And we just get a panel of Order and Lance, who are both quiet, and they then both try to talk at the same time. And Dot's like, oh shit, this has gotten really embarrassing. The only They both tried to break the ice at the same time, and now they've only made it more awkward. <laughs> so... Dot, I guess, tries to fix it and be like, oh, you guys just jinxed each other. I thought we were being serious. This is playing games. And Order is just like, I want you both to die. <laughs> so he, <laughs> he tells teleports them into a dimension of sand. And he's like, you're going to be spending the next week here. Here are three 200 milliliter bottles of water for sustenance. They will break it even the slightest touch. Even trying to keep them on your person may prove to be too much. Meaning you must constantly pour magic into them to keep them floating safely. And Dot's like, oh man, we're gonna have to give up sleep to guard these or else we'll run out of water and die. And then immediately one of his water bottles breaks because Order just shot like sand through it. And he's like, oh no, you're not just keeping them safe. You're defending them from me. And Dot's all angry. He's like, you big jerk. You, you wait till you the like, way till you finish explain everything. I refuse to beg from lessons from Mr. Four Eyes No Soul. <laughs> but he's like Got him. Yeah. Boom. Roasted. <laughs> but he's like, alright, I gotta rely on, on Lance then, but working together with him, and Lance is just like, Hey, make sure you don't drag me down with you. Dot's like, nope, it would never work. Not with him. Ah, uh, damn it. So we cut over to Mash who is busy leveling up Dark Souls style, just facing a boss that's just slightly better than him. And he's now gone through 10 of his level ups, basically. It's it's very impressive. It's only taken just four days for him to do that. So they pause. Rio grants, gives Mash. He's like, I've got a present for you because you've worked so hard. An autograph of me. And Mash is like, who would want that? He's like, and cream puffs. Imagine like, ah, oh, what, what a guy! What a guy! <laughs> uh, horrifying crocodile toddler thing. It's like, hey, fuck you guys, basically. And uh, Rio, in like having his hand bit, drops a photograph of his family, and he's like, yes, that is my lovely wife and adorable son. And stupid crocodile guys, just like. Well, you guys really have families? Are you even in a witness? From where I stand, it looks like you old guys don't have a chance. What the fuck is he talking about? I don't know. Well, as we find <laughs> out, his, his sole motivation is money and wealth, basically. So, that, yeah. Uh, Rio basically explains, I stand at the top of this world, and like me, each person here has something important to them. Thus, it's my job to protect every one of them. So even if we're impossibly outmatched, I refuse to lose. Uh, but then Stupid Crocodile guy's just like, yeah, I wanted the fame of being one of her pupils so I could leverage that and make bank by doing consultations, book deals, and seminars. And Meliodula uh, shows up and says, he has excellent instincts, but a garbage personality. Yep. <laughs> uh, and he explains, you shouldn't judge me just because you're not thinking ahead. And Mash is like, I guess that makes sense. But then explains, like, look, I'd be really sad if we couldn't gather around to eat snacks like this anymore. Or at least, I think I would. So they get back to the, the train exercise, and the stupid crocodile guy just keeps watching Mash do these fights. He's like, 
wait, that's what keeps him going? Like, getting beat up like he is? He's got to realize a kid like him shouldn't be challenging Innocent Zero to, to, like, a fight. I can't wrap my head around this. And Ryu explains, like, Yes, Mash is an orphan. He's filled with gratitude towards the old man that raised him and to all of his friends. I sensed it when I saw him. I believe his lack of magic has made him more appreciative to the warmth that others show him and how rare and precious that is. And stupid crocodile guy gets a little bit sad. He says, that's just idealistic fluff. And then we get a little note. 25 days remain until the enemy's assault. Yeah, there's a couple little moments in this chapter that I like. Um, I like uh, Mash's note about like, oh, it'd be bad if we couldn't eat snacks like this together. I like that he and Rio are getting a little bit uh, closer to each other. And I do love the exchange between them. Where it's like, hey, there's a present for you doing so well. Another graph picture of me. And <laughs> Mash is like, who cares? Like, also creepos. Yeah, you're my guy. Oh, my guy. Um. And also, I do like the setup with uh, Don, Lance, and Order. I, I actually really like the hell training setup that they have. Like, yeah, constantly pour your magic into these or you're going to die. And also go to attack you while we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. like it a lot. Okay. Uh, the Elusive Samurai. It's chapter uh, 61. Is there a title? Is it at the end? Oh, I did that. Chapter 61, the Nakasendai War, 1335. Uh, so there's a lot of scenes in this. I'll go through it kind of quickly. Uh, we, we see a bit that involves uh, the uh, that involves Kiyohara, who is um, crossing stuff out on a partial for some reason. They say that he's um, really, really driven right now. Uh, they make comparisons to him being a safety inspector. Like, that's his personality type. So, oh, boy, he sure is dangerous. Can't wait to see what he gets up to in this fight. Whatever. Uh, we see a conversation between Yoritsugu and his father, which is, of course, Yoritsugu's grandson. And uh, he demands to know, like, why they've got to be fighting for the sake of Tokyuki Hojo. And his father explains that, look, the Hojo clan bestowed favor on the Suwa clan and elevated us. The courtiers worship the Mikado. Warriors worship Suomyojin, which allows warriors spiritual independence from the courtiers. We flourish in our holy role because of the Hojo and cannot forget that. The salvation of the people, the future of our clan, and our obligation to that unfortunate prince compel us to engage in war. So he tries. It's one of those things where it's like, I got to explain to my son why I've got to go and potentially die. And it's it's nice. Then we see a bit of Kojiro going and talking to Nezu Kojiro, heir to the Nezu clan, who has uh, some very obvious physical resemblances to Kojiro, hint, hint, uh, like around the eyes. Uh, But Nezu Kojiro is seemingly uh, confined to their bed. Uh, And they seem to be on good terms, but we, of course, know that Kojiro is... uh, has to hide his lineage and everything so we don't really get a firm indication of exactly how they are related or anything and what's going on here but uh just more of a more of just a hint still at this point before we get the full laid out explanation so uh, and then we get a little collage of different people involved on the hoja side of the conflict just kind of making preparations of, of various forms and uh, then we, uh, 
get some uncomfortable shit. Uh, yeah, it gets a little weird. So Tokyuki is uh, is is gonna spend his night hanging out with Yoroshige, and like they there, there's a bit where Yoroshige tries to start a a, a pillow fight, but with a, a wooden it, it's stool. Legitimately, the funniest moment of the whole thing. Like, he's just like, huh. In the future, they have pillow fights all the time. <laughs> and and Tokyuki's like, but are there pillows made of wood? Because they hit him right in the face. Uh, and then he's like, you're a Shige, Dodo. Why are we sleeping in the same room? Ah! <laughs> Look, I know that the point of their relationship is that Yorishige is now acting as a surrogate father to Tokyuki, and there is a certain level of closeness that comes along with that, and it is meant to be a sweet father-son romance thing. Not romance, but it is a romance, but it's not. Like, he keeps drawing attention to how, like, intimate it is, while then saying, he's like, but it's not. And it's like, yeah, but stop making it look like it is. And then, be like, yeah. but it's not. Don't do that at all. Just don't. <laughs> it's weird. Yes. And he's like doing stuff like, hey, share a bed with me. And Tokyuki's like, no, that's creepy. It's like, don't do this. It's weird. It's not funny. It's weird. And then they have a moment where like they're both going to bed and they're sleeping uh, in Fudasa mats next to each other. And Yorishige says, um, because Tokyuki asks, asks him, do you foresee me reaching Kamakura? And Yorishige responds that once war spreads beyond Shinano, my precognition mostly stops working. But if I can't see the future, it's okay, because I'm confident in my powers of observation. And watching you the past two years has reassured me that you will be a hero. I say that as a man, not as a god. Aw, he believes in him. And then nice. Stop trying to get him to sleep with you. So, uh... And Tokiki thinks to himself, like, oh, he's become the family that I've lost and I really do owe him. So I've got to win and reclaim a rule so that I can repay him. And they hold hands while they're sleeping. And uh, Yoroshige uh, leads out an army in early July. And uh, he is accompanied by Tokiki, who is still not identifying as, as a member of the Hojo clan, although he is in full on battle armor. Uh, of someone of high stature. And we just get narration saying that the Naka Sendai war has begun. And everyone's like, oh man, Tokyuki, you look good in armor, like a general. Yeah. Uh, he looks so sharp too. And uh, people ask for commands and stuff. We see a whole bunch of stuff where like there's some information warfare going on, like uh, that uh, Genba has deliberately, quote unquote, leaked certain information so that. The uh, the Tengu clan are all fooled and think about uh, think that stuff is going on that's really not and all this. And then we come back to Tokiyuki and he says to himself, as I face a once in a lifetime struggle, I have a serious problem. And Fubuki looks over Tokiyuki and realizes his hands are shaking and gets really worried as Tokiyuki just goes, this arm is so heavy that I could barely move. Bum, 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 bum. End of chapter. Yeah, I want to just move on from that one. As a weird, I know what they're going for. It's supposed to be comedy, but it's very weird and unnerving and strange. So, yeah. Yeah. 
stop doing that so that I can like, you know, focus on the parts of the series that do work. Like this is, it's just, it, like I tried, I think actively to forget about this chapter while I was reading I it. I did forget so. about it. And then we got back into it. I was like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. <sighs> okay. So Black Clover, of course, is on a break, uh, an extended break. So we're going to go straight into One Piece from here. Chapter is probably dead. (laughs) We'll see. Chapter 1048. 20 years. Uh, So last time Luffy unleashed his giant punch Kaido in the everything punch attack uh, while commanding Momonosuke to move Onigashima out of the way so he wouldn't, you know, destroy it with his giant fist. Uh, and a moment of scare, of course, like, I can't like, OK, we get it. <laughs> but uh, he recalls the words that were spoken to him, saying that he had to rebuild the Kozuki clan when he returned. And so he he takes action. He tries to push Onigashima to the side so we'll be safe. And Luffy starts to punch, get, getting ready to punch Kaido. The giant arm is descending through the clouds. And Kaido just says, very well, then. I will take your punch because he's crazy like that. But then he says, did you know that 20 years ago, the hero of this country was burned to death and he lights himself on fire with his dragon powers while saying that ever since that happened, Wano has been a lawless place. And now you are the heroes they've been waiting 20 years for. Uh, And Luffy is forced to let go of Kaido with his hand that was kind of holding them together because Kaido's body is now so hot. And Kaido says, yes, let go of me. I'm not going anywhere. And that giant fist of yours will not come down on me. It will melt into nothing first. And one of the horns of Onigashima burns up and falls away because Kaido's body is next to it and is so goddamn hot. And so they're going to clash. But Luffy remembers the advice given to Bahiogoro. I don't know, four years ago. It's been a long time that we've been in this. A lesson he's already demonstrated he can learn. Yes. So I guess this is just a reminder in case the audience thought Luffy going Bugs Bunny also made him incredibly stupid which i guess it did to a certain extent but he didn't remember he could do this he can punch without touching kaido he can do it and so he unleashes his attack but kaido charges back up to meet luffy's fist while proclaiming his attack baj which is flame bagua and luffy's attack is baj rang gun whatever that means anyway punch dragon brah they clash and then we cut away because we got to see how everyone's reacting to uh, where everything else is going on. Oh, man. Kinemon and Kiku got dropped. Oh, man. Uh, look, it's it's um that one. Yep. It's apparently uh, based off of a monkey god worship in Hinduism. Oh, OK. Monkey. Fair enough. Uh, the remaining Akazaya 9 recall having to flee and leave Odin behind. Uh, they people remember. Orochi, uh, you know, trying to kill everyone uh, and Kaido realizing that Kinemon had not Kinemon, but uh, Odin had a son, which he's like, all right, I'll go take care of that. I'll just go inject some trauma onto that kid. Fuck him. 
people got struck down, killed, and then, of course, tortured over years and years. People learned about the death of uh, Odin's wife, the Kozuki clan being seemingly wiped out. And then the daimyo were all put with the question of like, hey, acknowledge me as your freaking ruler or it's war. And all of the daimyo were like, our only shogun is Kozuki. Fuck you. We're going to avenge his death. And Kaido's a dragon who killed them all. And Orochi laughed over all of them. And uh, everyone's like, fuck you, Orochi. You suck. It's just Kaido who's strong. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, he put all the people to slave labor. There's all sorts of families being torn apart. The river is contaminated. No one had water to drink. The crops all dried up and died. There's random skull over there. No one's got anything to eat. And the only food that they can get is by working as slaves, essentially. People were put to executions. And we just get this very, very abbreviated, like, here's all the bad shit that has happened in Odin because of Kaido and Orochi. Hey, remember Orochi? Orochi, he was a big part of this. Rook, he's still alive. He's right there. He's on fire, too, because of the flame spirit of vengeance thing that attacked him. Look, Hiyori's there. And uh, she's just standing there. She's standing there. Uh, oh, man. And he's uh, he's going to kill her. He's going to kill her. Oh, his head got chopped off. Look, it's Denjiro. Hey, look, he did a thing. Look, Orochi died again. I've never related more to the panel of someone sending up their wish balloon that just says, I wish Orochi would go away. And I was like, <laughs> did I send that one? Um, and yeah, we start to see some of the text on the wish lanterns as they go flowing up into the sky. Some of them are, I wish Orochi would go away. One of them that is featured prominently is please free us from this hell. And some are just like, I want clean water again. Um, I feel like this would have flowed better if we didn't have the scene of Orochi getting killed again here. And I, I really feels like we kind of get a big speed bump as we're getting up to like 30 miles an hour. And so we're just like, oh, we're just kind of like grinding along at that 30 miles an hour instead of actually getting racing towards a big climactic finish. And which looks like it's going to happen next chapter. So here's the thing. Um in a vacuum, I kind of like it because I do appreciate some sense of like here, like One Piece and the Wano arc finally, finally are coming to a conclusion. Like this is this is it. This is it wrapping up. Presumably next chapter is going to be the fight between Kaido and Luffy ending. This arc is coming to a conclusion. So I do like the idea of showcasing that while Kaido was the ultimate antagonist of this arc, Orochi was sort of the catalyst to everything. Um, so giving a conclusion to that and, and, and juxtaposing that with Luffy and Kaido finally kind of gearing up for their big clash. There is some kind of narrative context to that being a very significant moment. And I can appreciate that. I even also kind of appreciate that uh, Denjiro just, it's not, a, like an epic finish like there's no big speech there's no cool like swoop in denjiro just shows up cuts fucking orochi's goddamn head off and that's it he's gonna be supposedly done for the problem of course being as we all kind of predicted last week this was a very predictable move for one piece um and the issue is mostly 
because there's there's a couple one is just one piece's pacing has been abhorrent for years now and i think we'd all as you said reached a point where we just wanted this to be over and yeah at, at, at this point it's just like fuck it orochi dies again all right fine is he done now like can we just move on but i think the big thing is that hyori really comes across as just a worthless character and i don't mean that to like belittle her i just mean like i i there's like the old adage of like if you can gauge how a female character is treated in an action movie if you could replace her with a sexy lamp and nothing would change and that's kind of how i feel about hyori where i'm just like I feel like you could replace her with almost nothing <laughs> and the story would barely change. She she exists to be a living will of Odin who also didn't get transported 20 years in the future. So she had to someone had to actually endure the 20 years of Orochi's rule, basically. And that's really it. She doesn't serve a different like a role in the story beyond that. She is not the literal inheritor of Odin's will. That's going to be Momonosuke. It's been pretty clearly established. That is him going forward. Uh, she did not occupy a big, cool new role in this arc. She was literally undercover and or suspected dead for most of it. Uh, she didn't do anything particularly exciting. She saved the samurai. We presume that's not been confirmed, but it, it is heavily implied that she was the one who rescued everybody. And then she she i guess actually used a physical sea stone nail on orochi and then just got lucky that conjuro or whatever his name is was just like i'm just gonna burn you instead <laughs> like it was kind of like all right i guess she got her vengeance by luck a little bit but whatever um but at the end of this now having that kind of taken away and she has to be saved by denjiro uh, which is, I guess, meant to be a romantic thing, but One Piece is not always the best when it comes to that. Uh, it's just something where, like, I don't know anything about Hyori. Like, I don't, I don't know her character. I don't know traits about her. Like, you know, we've had characters like this in One Piece before, but they've all been cool. Like, Vivi was quite literally a straw hat. You know, Shirahoshi had her whole you know crybaby gimmick rebecca for as many complaints as we got about her at least got to show some measure of a character in all of this hyori just quite literally feels like a body that had to physically be there because toki was dead mamanosuke went into the future someone needed to be there present to be like i suffered through the non-odin years and that's it i'm gonna disagree with you slightly on that okay. i feel like when we got Hiori's big thing where she, you know, just unloaded on uh, Orochi saying like, yeah, it was all a lie, you know, that that I hated you for all this time. And so I waited for my moment and stuff. I feel like, you know, that kind of laid out. OK, yeah, this is everything we know about her in one go where she did all this stuff and she used all this deception and everything. I wish we have gotten more examples of that deception and maybe seen that she has kind of become a naturally deceptive person even to people she's not trying to hurt like you know the the rich assholes in in wano that she's trying to fleece out of their money and stuff um that would have been an interesting thing to see so like i don't think it was taken far enough and also i don't think that her moment was taken far enough i feel like you could have the moment of orochi trying to reach you know 
get after her and kill her in, in his last moment because he gets jostled free from his restraint when looks she's she's gonna kill him but then instead of having her go oh no i've failed and i can't you know like turn around and walk away from him or something like that um that like she just watches him as he comes towards her and then dendro shows up and kills him because he's just you know been her backup the whole time and this was like all right yeah she was never in any danger and she knew it or something like that as opposed to oh no i'm in danger because i can't oh i guess that i'm just worthless after all and my method of dealing with orochi was never going to work oh no it's a good thing i had a big strong guy to 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 save me because i'm a side female character in one piece and that's what i need so yeah it's a bummer because, as I said, I, I like this scene in practice or not in practice in in theory. Uh, I just don't think it particularly works here for a multitude of reasons, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's unfortunate. And I feel like we also should have kept this moment away from the big moments where we're leading up to the finish of the fight. It, it feels like it interrupts the pace for me. But hey, it looks like we are really getting there. Like we, uh, within a couple months, we'll the, the the big arc that has been built up over like ten years or something, and we've been here for like half of that. <laughs> It'll be over. What are we going to do now? <laughs> oh man, I hope Elbath is fucking awesome and short. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like a really intense year long storyline with no, oh no, my God, that'd be so sweet. <laughs> All right. That is it guys for weekly manga recap. Thank you for joining us. Everyone, uh, here on twitch.tv slash reload. we start recording the show, uh, usually around seven 30 Eastern time, but you can stay tuned to our social media to know when exactly we're going to start reload. T makeup time, WMR podcast, and also join the discord. Uh, and also, if you join that Discord, you can go on the document to maintain my Ninja X3i, which keeps track of uh, the recommendations that we've been through and will go through. And also, votes for MVP and favorite series. That's right. I forgot about it, but worked my way back there. What were our favorites this week? Uh, I'm going to give my favorite chapter to... I'm going to give it to... Okay. I liked it. It was a good one. Fair enough. I am giving mine to Undead Unlocked because, well, holy shit, that all happened. Yes. Uh, that's about all I have to say about that. Uh-oh. However, I will give my favorite, my MVP rather, to Sorachika. Okay. Uh, I really, I really like the moment of him just like very quickly taking control of the situation. By the way, Mimin also very good in that chapter. I would like to give my MVP to Machine Dramon. It's great and everything. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll give my actual MVP to. Uh, it's actually between Mamin and Latla. I mm. think I'm going to give it to Latla. Um, but Mamin was excellent as well. Uh, also, I guess Naputuku was also in Orain as well uh, because Naputuku was excellent and everything. Um, but I, I, I think, yeah, I'm going to go with Latla. All right. It was very cool. The audience, by the way. Uh, strongly, strongly gave it to Magu-chan and Naputuku 
for the character in MVP. And, hey, everyone's really happy to have more Magachan, and it was a good chapter. I think so. Kirby gave money to everybody to ensure it happened. Yeah, gave coupons to everyone. Yeah, coupons. <laughs> that's that's what it did it. <laughs> All right, guys, that is going to do it for us. Uh, if you would like to listen to more of the show, uh, it is on weeklymangarecap.podbean.com as well as generally wherever podcasts can be listened to. And the video version is at youtube.com slash weekly manga recap said YouTube version video version features an opening sequence by men, Winsleydale cheddar and Milo Jack Stilitz. Thank you guys for creating that. And some of our episodes also feature a title card artwork by Steve man. Check out his artwork, wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet, twitter.com slash Steve man art. By the way, if you haven't seen it, if you're listening to episodes uh, via the audio version only, there is an episode that we recorded last week uh, that I didn't put up the video or an audio version for because I was like, 90% of this episode is us reacting to pictures, so that won't yes. be any good. So go check that out uh, on our YouTube channel, uh, and you'll find out who wins a intense contest. That's right. Uh, it does get very intense at points. Yeah. I was like really tired going in and then the caffeine kicked in and <laughs> i was very angry uh patreon.com slash manga recap if you would like to support the show monetarily and also get some bonus content including uh monthly other recap and uh was god is that how we did the first uh big contest i can't remember if that was a bonus episode or no, not that was, i think that was uh we did that instead of whatever the new year's thing is that's basically. right that's right uh but there is all sorts of great content on there guys and uh honestly like there's some of the stuff that we've done uh, in our bonus podcast form i will occasionally pull out the file and listen to stuff that we did like five years ago some of it's really good yes, so it's excellent stuff excellent excellent but that's going to do it for now, guys. We will catch you all next week. Goodbye. Oh. Say goodbye, Machine Jermon. Goodbye. Wave goodbye. <coughs> goodbye. Its arm's going to fall off. Oh, no. Oh. No, no. He's falling apart. <laughs> no. Machine Jermon. <laughs> Machine Jermon. Now I imagine myself as a, a young cold Digidestin who's just like, Machine Jamon, help us! Just like, I will rule all over you fleshy beards. Like, Machine Jamon, my crest of love is sending you and me here together forever! I need not your powers of love. <laughs> Everyone's just like, why are you doing this? Like, like all, all of me and the other Digidestins are like sitting around eating fucking sandwiches and they're all like, Hey, Quint, we want to talk to you about your Digimon. <laughs> Never Digivolves down. He's just always Machine Jermon. He's really, he's really mean and demanding. He, he turned a quarter of the world into like a horrible urban metropolis where everyone's a slave to the ro their robotic overlords. Yes, great. And, and, like, and you were the digital overlord, Ken. So we all have fucking <laughs> skeletons in our closet. All right, let's stop pointing fingers. Ken's like, I mean, okay, he's got a point there, yeah. <laughs> he's got me. <laughs> now I want to get started with you, TK. <laughs> what did I do? You got a stupid hat. You know what you did. It's that hat. <laughs> Goodbye, <Goodbye>. everybody. <laughs>